Bonjour, Internet. It is us again here coming to you not live from the Democratic People's Republic of This Week International. Did you want to start first today, Thomas, with a story? Sure. So this is episode eight, and we're going to be starting with a story coming out of Bolivia. So there was just an election in Bolivia on uh, September Sorry, not September, on October 20th, I believe. Let me check. October 18th, actually. It was October 18th. There was an election on October 18th, and Movement to Socialism Party candidate Luis Arce, Arce? I don't know how to pronounce that. A-R-C-E. Arce. I'm going to say Arce. I'm sorry if that's wrong. But he won the election with 55% of the vote. He is a strong ally of former President Evo Morales, who resigned in 2019 after he tried to run for re-election, even though he was term limited, and voters rejected the idea of abolishing term limits. So that was something. And then Morales resigned in, again, I already said that, but Morales resigned in 2019 after facing pressure from the military to do so, and he was exiled to, I believe, first Argentina and then Mexico. And his 2019 Bolivian election itself, where he tried to run again, was filled with a lot of controversy and there were a lot of allegations of fraud. So that's that. Um, Luis Arce was the Minister of the Economy and Public Finance under Morales. And they were both very popular with the Native American community in Bolivia. There are a couple groups there, I believe the Aymara are one of particular note. There's actually very little controversy surrounding this election, though, and we'll get into some of the results in a little bit. So after Morales left office, Janine Añez, I believe that's how you pronounce it, I might be wrong, though, from the Democrat Social Movement became the interim president. She is quite conservative and has been criticized for her allegations against many of Evo Morales' staunch allies. She originally ran in 2020, but dropped out in order to prevent Arce from winning. Arce's main opponent was Carlos Mesa, who is the leader of the civic community, which is a social democratic alliance of a couple parties. And he won about 29% of the vote. So pretty big win for Arce because you have 55 to 29. Like 29 is the second place. Like, wow. And because RC won in such a landslide, there was no runoff required. And the there were some other candidates too. Again, we mentioned that Añez wasn't running, but um, someone who was running who was pretty far right was Luis Fernando Camacho, an independent hard right candidate who won about 14% of the vote. And here's a funny story. He apparently cried when RC won. There's a video of it. This will also mean that the new Bolivian Senate will actually be a majority women Senate with it being 55.6% women to 44.4% men. So, Andy, what do you think about this story? I mean, I know Bolivia has been having a lot of issues tried to elect the president. I mean, a far right cried after losing. I'm not surprised about their as extreme politicians aren't necessarily known for their sanity. Don't believe me. Um, there are a lot of countries you can look at there. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is another step towards improving democracy in Bolivia. Because I mean, if you're going to put like 
on a scale, if you're going to put countries that have great democracies all the way down to not so great democracies, there's like, there's a real spectrum here because from one to a hundred, like, like in a hundred being like great democracy. Switzerland. No, I'm talking about only South American countries here. Oh, you're talking about only South America. Okay. Yes. At around a five or a 10, you have Venezuela, who they basically operate like Ethiopia. Like if it's either a military coup or it's a election that may be rigged and maybe it's like an ethnic thing or, you know, the whole opposite end. Like you have countries like Argentina and, uh, well, I mean, Argentina is pretty ele- fair. They have pretty fair elections. Like, not counting who you elect, well, there was the Operation Car Wash thing, but Brazil. Oh, Brazil's pretty good. I would like, disagree. I, mean, I would say, like, Chile would be a more democratic country now. I'd say Brazil's in the middle, but that's just me. Yeah, well, no, that's, that may be because of who they... If you don't count who they elected, Brazil is good. Peru, of course, Peru had all those issues with all the communists since, like, the communist guerrillas and stuff. I read, I read a lot about that in middle school. I don't remember any of it, but, uh, yeah. Um... I know about Peru, but... You know about yeah. Uruguay or Paraguay. Do you know about those two? Oh, uh, I know Uruguay. Like, I only know... I know the name of one of Uruguay's parties. For like the, I think the ruling party is called, like, the Colorado Party. Colorado Party, whoa. That's the only thing I remember about Uruguay. They have a ruling... They have a party called the Colorado Party, I think, but... Wow, strange. But, yeah, I'd say, um, if Bolivia... Like, I know... I know in America... Like, Americans are pretty isolationist. Like, can we just all agree on that? Like, we're really isolationist people. Like, not us, but I know. And if, like, a foreign country's election can get into American news, I consider that to be, like, I mean, that's big. Like, I'm surprised, like, New Zealand's election didn't make it into our news. And I've seen Bolivia, like, way back when they were going through a lot bigger pro- president problems. They made it into our news quite a bit, so. Yeah, and uh, I guess a lot of the American, like, the American left, I mean, not really thinking, not really the Democratic Party, but, like, more of the sort of socialist left in America is celebrating this because, well, a socialist won. Yeah. And, I mean, Evo Morales was a socialist, and a lot of people thought that his resignation and his basic, they felt like he was kind of forced out, and they felt like there's a lot of fraud there. I'm not going to comment on the validity of all that. This is not my strong suit about, like, if there was fraud, if there wasn't fraud. I mean, there was probably some fraud. It seems kind of weird, though. Like, personally, I don't know. If I was going to kick out a president and put in interim, maybe just to not create tension, I'd try to make the interim from the same party. Like, for example, regardless of if we like it or not, like, if we would like, if for some reason, like we'd have to like kick out Trump or something and put in an interim president, which we don't really have interim presidents, it's more just the vice president becomes the president. Like, it'd probably be best if they were from the Republican Party. Same with if you had, for some reason, Obama had to leave or something and you had to appoint an interim president here in America, you'd probably want them from the Democratic Party. So it just seems kind of weird that you'd go from like having some socialist president to then like some conservative interim president like that's just kind of strange but i don't know i mean personally my politics probably align more with uh, carlos mesa he's a bit more kind of centrist i'm not super hard left so yeah but i mean 
again, doesn't seem like there was much fraud around this election. So congratulations to Bolivian democracy. And it was actually surprisingly smooth, apparently. Like, a lot of people thought that because of COVID, there'd be a lot of issues, but it wasn't actually that hard to conduct the election from what I've heard. And this is a country, Bolivia's been struggling with COVID, like, well, the rest of the world, except for New Zealand. But And Greenland. Everybody applauds New Zealand, but when we should also give Denmark some credit, they got out of New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, although I guess, does Greenland have any COVID cases? No, I think they got rid of I think they had some and then they got rid of it, but I can't be for sure. Greenland's also way smaller, though, so that's the other thing. Yeah, true. Smaller population-wise, like, definitely mean, not uh, geographically. Like, I know, I think American Samoa has avoided coronavirus and the Spanish sluice, but, like... Hey, remember they, Turkmenistan has, too? <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they totally didn't censor that, and they have coronavirus all... Absolutely nowhere. Hey, come on, Andy. Why aren't we giving Turkmenistan the credit they deserve? <laughs> They've done an even better job than New Zealand. Like, New Zealand had COVID, like... New Ze- I think New Zealand had, like, serious COVID once, but no, no... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, I don't really have much else to say. Do you have anything else to say about this Bolivian election? Uh, no, not really. Yeah, so I think let's move on. Uh, do you want to get to one of your stories, Andy? Yeah, which one would you rather I talk about first? Like, because you saw them. Um, Côte d'Ivoire? Yes, Côte d'Ivoire, or the Ivory Coast. So... There have been recent protests in Côte d'Ivoire, or more commonly known as the Ivory Coast, over their upcoming election. And so, if you want to know more about elections in the Ivory Coast, they're one of the few countries in Africa that has a president and a prime minister. Like, most African countries are just president and some sort of a senate. Like, all of Central America operates in this manner, except I think Belize may be a parliamentary republic, but I can't be for sure. The U.S. doesn't have a prime minister. Basically, Canada and maybe Belize is for avoiding the Caribbean, which I'm not even into as far as what system they have. Cote d'Ivoire, or Ivory Coast, is kind of rare because they do have a president and a prime minister. So You're like France. Just like France, and their official language is French, which I'm kind of mad about because only 13, there are only 13,000 ethnic French versus there are 42,000. Uh, no, sorry, not 42,000. 42% is ethnically Akan. And even though the Akan, have, their main languages are English, French, and Akan, the, like, why didn't Ivory Coast just have multiple official languages like many other con- perfectly normal countries do? I'm not saying the Ivory Coast is not normal for this, but anyway, so back I to... Back- because, um, I think it's because Ivory Coast was a, uh colonized by france i know and french kind of the lingua franca like i'm assuming like i don't know all the languages in the ivory coast but i'm gonna guess that if you speak akon you probably don't speak another one of the african languages so it's like akon in french or another language in french so that's just my guess yeah there are a lot of it's like it's like south africa ivory the ivory coast ethnically is like or sorry the ivory coast ethnically is kind of like Belgium linguistically. Like, it's kind of split up. There are a lot of people who speak Akan. There are also a lot of people who speak another language called Volteric. 
or I think that may be ethnically, but I can't be for sure. Anyways, we're getting like off topic. A, it feels more like uh, Ethiopia, to be totally honest, like where you have a ton yeah. of different ones. There we go, yeah, again. Is Ethiopia the new Turkey? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, you're already, we're getting off topic here. So back to Postle I've heard two different spellings of this. It's N-G-U-E-S-S-A-N. I've heard it pronounced Ndesan and Nesan. I will be saying Nesan because I hear that used more often. Or sorry, I'll be using Ndesan because I will actually because I was that I've been better, I've been referring to it by that when I was when I've been doing research. Well, in my head I've been referring to it by that. So and Pascalafi Ndesan, he had his house burned to a crisp. He's the opposition leader of the Ivory Coast and well, one of the opposition leaders of the Ivory Coast, I should say. Um he had his house burned down and there were attacks on his office. And this reminds me of part of the part of the Operation Car Wash story where Lula gets arrested. If you don't know about that, go back to our previous episodes. We talked about it. Um, this reminds me of where Lula gets arrested because he was actually the leading candidate for the president of the Ivory Coast when this happened. And, and this is like a week ago. So if you want to know more about Ivory Coast election history yeah they are a democracy but when current president Alassane Ouattara was sorry Ouattara was first elected in 2010 it sparked a civil war which led to 3,000 people being dead and so there have been a lot of election boycotts and protests in the Ivory Coast because Ouattara basically made it legal for himself to run for a third term under his own rules aka a constitution that he drafted which I can only assume got rid of term limits in the Ivory Coast and is now seeking a third term. The entire electoral board is all from the ruling his party, which I do not know the name of because I didn't honestly get into the parties here. Anyways, I know for a fact the Ivory Coast has not held their elections yet, but recently in protests because of all that's piling up against Alassane Ouattara, there were sits chilled recently, so, I mean, I think we're getting close to 5,000 people. I don't know for sure, but, like, I think I heard somewhere about 2,000 more dying somewhere, I think. And, like, I, we're getting into some insane number of people dead just over Alassane Ouattara's rule. As I said before, um, the main story here was about the opposition leader of the Ivory Coast, Pascal Afi and Ndiesan. His house was burned down and a couple offices were destroyed. I mean, this is turning into a Tigre situation with uh, Abiy Ahmed because Alassane Ouattara is actually blocked. They had criminal records, but he actually blocked two candidates from running. So, I mean, I don't know where this is going to go. Ouattara has insisted that his run is entirely legal, but his opposition has insisted otherwise. So, um, what do you think of this? Wow, it's pretty crazy. I mean... I think that everyone should be allowed to run. I mean, of course, you don't want, like, a kid running. So, I mean, of course, you should have those um, regulations. But I definitely think that he should be allowed to um, run. It just seems kind of weird, just, like, blocking someone because... Well, he wasn't banned. There's just a lot of uh, violence been committed towards him. And Uatara changed the rules so he has... He can rule for longer and such, so... Like, 
he did he hasn't banned the opposition leader from running. He banned two other people who are minor candidates from running. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I feel like still like they should be allowed to run. I mean, what's his name again? Ngason, right? Yeah, Postolafi Ngason. I feel like he seems like a pretty good candidate. I mean, he seems doesn't seem like super hardcore, like extreme. So that's pretty good. And I mean, uh, this guy Ala Sani Uatara. I mean, I'll just look at his kind of. I mean, I don't know. He just seems like kind of a strange guy. Just like support seem to support a lot of this violence and stuff like i don't know i mean a lot of those countries like again they're just kind of like there's no ivorian identity like pre-colonialism so i don't know if there's like an ethnic component to it too like i know of course there's a political one but i wonder if there's an ethnic one too kind of like ethiopia where it's like should we have these countries like i don't know like maybe the akan and the crew and the uh the Gur, I think, is that what the other one, what the other main ethnic group is called? Oh yeah, they're one of them. The Volterics, the Akan, and um, yeah, the Gur are one of. They're they're all up there. There's a lot of there's a really large European and Lebanese population there, mainly because there was a mass migration of Lebanese to West Africa during the Lebanese Civil War. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like maybe. Ivory Coast should just like split itself into a couple of different countries and it could be maybe be a little bit more stable like that, which is, uh, I kind of, I honestly feel like that with much of Africa, not so much the North because it was colonized, but the, the French and the English didn't do as bad a job, like trying to draw colonial borders up there as they did in the South. But like, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Like, really? Like, I don't know. It's just weird. Like, considering that the major ethnic group there is the Akan, and they only make up about 41% of the population, that's not that much, actually. There isn't really an ethnic tension to this. I mean, it's more of an anti-corruption thing. Well, I mean, but but isn't a lot of the corruption, like, couldn't you make an argument that it's largely ethnic? Um, like there's like all these different parties. Like, couldn't you? Make I mean, an argument? this is about more election rigging. Couldn't you argue that a lot of the problems in Cote d'Ivoire are caused by ethnic tensions? I honestly don't know. Like, couldn't you argue? I mean, not this one, but like, I mean, yeah, there there might be, but not this one. I mean, I already told you that like Alassane Ouattara, he changed the rules so he could win again, and last time he did win, there were thousands of people that died. So I mean, yeah. I don't know, yeah. I think it's more of a political thing, but yeah. The other thing that, I mean, is kind of strange is, I mean, Alasane Uatara, uh, he just seems pretty corrupt. It's just kind of weird. It's just like, I don't know. Maybe there's a way to root him out. I mean, I don't want regime change. Like, let's not go in there and kick him out. There's no reason to do that. But I don't know. Let's hope that someone can defeat him. And well, he's been there since 2010, so he's been there for a decade. He's also pretty old. He's in his late 70s. So, um, I mean, pass away eventually. Let's just put it that way. But who knows? Maybe he'll have some like son or daughter who is a strong man and will end up taking over. But we'll see.
Although, kind of interestingly, I was just reading on Wikipedia right now. It says that he's a descendant of his, uh, on his father's side, of the Muslim rules, rulers of Burkina Faso, then uh, part of the Kong Empire. And the rulers were known as the Watara rulers. Or that's where he gets his last name, Watara. Watara. So he's royalty. I should also add that um, the, one of the reasons he's still in power is that he kind of rid the system. He kind of took advantage of his... He was supposed to be replaced, actually. And his predecessor actually died of a heart attack. And he was supposed to step down and leave, but he didn't because his predecessor kind of died. Weird. Huh. Well, I don't really have much else to say about this. I don't know. Do you? Not really. You can do the internet story if you want. Okay, so we move from one African country to another African country. And this is probably, in my opinion, out of all of the stories so far in this episode, and actually I think for the rest of the episode, this is the one that's been getting the most traction in Western media. Um. So it's from Nigeria. There are massive protests there. And the protesters are using hashtag end SARS to get their message out on social media. And the protest started after a man was killed by the special anti-robbery squad or SARS. By the way, I'm assuming you, dear listener, can guess, but SARS has no connection to SARS-CoV-2, which is the official name of the coronavirus pandemic in uh this year 2020 but yeah SARS special anti-robbery squad it was set up in 1992 in order to tackle the growing problem of theft in Nigeria and and it is extremely controversial and some claim it has been linked to the deaths of many innocent people two weeks ago people began calling for the end of SARS and Nigerian president Muhammadu Buhari dissolved it on October 11th Many of the protesters have also been calling for other reforms as well, not just relating to policing. Lagos state governor, by the way, Lagos, I believe, is the largest city in Nigeria. It's not the capital, I believe. Abuja is the capital, but I believe Lagos is still larger. Lagos state governor Babajide Sanwo Olu said that the protests have been hijacked by criminals. The protests in general reflect the high level of unhappiness for many young people in Nigeria. Many young people are dissatisfied with the education system there, and over 33% of people between the ages of 15 and 34 are unemployed. There have also been uh, video of Nigerian police firing at protesters and injuring and even killing some. And currently, right now, there's a 24-hour curfew in Lagos. So, Andy, your thoughts on that? I mean, SARS doesn't sound good. The protests don't really sound good. Uh, it's chaos. I mean, but we don't know. That's the thing. Like, there's a lot of misinformation there. Like, I don't know. Like, should we take Lagos State Governor Babajide Sanwo Olu's word that they've been hijacked by criminals? Should we? I mean, a lot of people have done that here in the U.S. They've taken, I'm not going to say who, but they've taken many leaders' words that, like, Oh, a lot of the protests were extremely violent with all these riots and lootings. And then you find out, hey, only 7% of protests have 
any violence. Like 93% of them are 100% peaceful. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to investigate it, but I don't really, I don't know. I feel like Baba Yide Sanwal Olu has to prove to me that they've been hijacked by criminals and I shouldn't just take it at its word. Makes sense. But yeah, Nigeria is kind of at a crossroads. I mean, Nigeria is a very big country population-wise. It is growing exponentially. Well, maybe not exponentially, but it is growing rapidly. Nigeria, they also have one of these weird systems where it's like a two-party dictatorship. They have two major parties, but they both seem to be both competing with each other to and they in very like authoritarian we won't really talk to our people type parties. Like I watched a Nigerian presidential debate once and it was like it was all the small parties and there was just these two empty podiums in the middle where no big party candidate stood. It's kinda odd. Yeah, it's kinda strange. I mean I mean also I know I said they're growing really fast. They're actually expecting to, I believe, surpass the U.S. in population within the next, like, 100 years. Actually, sooner than that, but I'm, I don't know exactly when they'll surpass them. But I know it'll be in my lifetime, assuming I don't die at age 20. Just don't become a rapper and you're guaranteed to make it to at least 30. Past 30, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I definitely would have made, I, I definitely will know I've made it when I uh, reach age 35 and i haven't died <laughs> to be fair we've been in covid for almost a year which is hard to believe but yeah anyways but actually life expectancy has been down in the u.s for the past like two years so what no i, I thought it started in like January. well no not because covid i said the last two years yeah it's like suicides and drug overdoses and stuff oh right oh that's right i forgot yeah i mean we're gonna be approaching on the one year anniversary of covid covid's birthday is like some i believe it's like november 15th or something because the virus started way back in november 2019 we didn't get any cases in like the u.s or europe until january but it was in china like november december and then just popped over into the u.s and europe in january and then like really it started taking off late february early march that's when you started to get a lot of the community spread they call it where it's like you're giving covid to other people well, no, I'm, I'm not. Getting, I'm not giving COVID but, to yeah. other people. Just to clarify. <laughs> no, no, that's when yeah, other people yeah, start no, giving, I'm COVID, not giving to other COVID to people. other yeah. people. Neither of us have COVID, and yeah. Just to be clear, listeners, um, I'm not doing it. It's other people. <laughs> no, 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 no. You are not giving COVID. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, also, I guess Nigeria. They have. They do have some. Other shows, like, for example, I know there is also the whole situation with, um, there's kind of a religious dispute there. The North is Muslim and the South is Christian. And in the North, the Muslim groups are like the Fulani and the Hausa, who are big there. And then the South, you have the Igbo and the Yoruba and some other ones who are big there. Actually, I just finished reading a book called Things Fall Apart, which is about the Igbo. I mean, it's a fictional story, but it's like based on um, the Igbo's interactions with British missionaries in the 1890s. So that's interesting. But yeah, I mean, I generally just think um, Nigeria, they definitely, they definitely need to sort of decentralize more, like I don't know how you govern a country that big, like with just like 
with so much power, like, at the top. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, we, we in the U.S., like, we're at a fairly similar population to Nigeria. Like, again, we actually give a lot of power to the states. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if Nigeria gave the different powers, especially, like, a lot of this, like, law enforcement power to the states, I mean, to be maybe fair, they though, could figure out, like, what would be the best way to to like combat the crime because again it's like nigeria is like such a big country with all these different like groups and stuff like the crime in the north is going to be way different than crime in the south where crime in lagos is going to be way different than crime in abuja like, like there's mean, no one size all method have... for dealing with crime if if the nigerians actually nigerian government actually claims crime is as big as a problem as it actually is which i don't even know if that's true i don't know if crime is actually epic the problem anymore but we'll see i'm not sure if they're still a thing anymore but like they'll they're also have like i imagine they also have that one uh jihadist group called boko haram boko haram yeah they also have them in nigeria yeah that's different so, like yeah there's a difference between theft and boko haram and boko haram as far as i know like i don't think they have much power around lakos like i think boko haram they're more in the north is in really. the north the north, like yeah. that's where no, I'm not trying to be like weird or anything, but like that's where all the that's where all the Muslims are. So I mean, well, yeah, it makes sense because Boko Haram is a jihadist group, from... and they would try to they would try to go after other Muslims rather than trying to go after like Christians and other groups because that's what groups like to do generally. Is generally like if you look at a if you look at ISIS like. People don't tell you this, but the groups that get targeted most by ISIS are other Muslims. Like, we act like, oh, we have all these, like, Christians who are being killed by ISIS. Like, yeah, we definitely have some Christians that are being killed by ISIS, and of course it's terrible. But, you know, who is, who's who's like, the main group that stood up to ISIS? Like, it was the Kurds, and they were the ones who were being killed the most. So, yeah, it definitely makes sense that Boko Haram would, like, try to establish a foothold in a Muslim area and then they like try to fight a lot of the Muslims around that area but yeah Boko Haram is kind of disappearing I mean ISIS is almost dead but Boko Haram is definitely on its way out yep um and yeah we'll see but I mean 2014 2015 was kind of the peak of a lot of these yeah. jihadi groups we're you know what we're jihadism is going away i'm just gonna say it like i mean this of course it's not gonna fully be gone like of course it's not gone yet but like i mean yeah there's gonna be like there's still like france is still gonna be experiencing yeah but like in 20 years it's a jihadi situation like are there gonna be more jihadists than now of course not like there are gonna be less and i think i mean it's like communism like as much as you have like these Americans like oh communism is going to make a comeback like it's not it's not going to make a comeback like there may be some new form of socialism that makes a comeback case in point this whole Bolivia story that we were talking about a couple minutes ago but yeah it's it's gonna disappear it's gonna be replaced by something else and it might not even be religious in nature it may be some other form of terrorism but yeah we'll see yes we will um yeah, so do you want to move to the next story, or? Yeah, let's go ahead and do your story. Yes, okay, I'm going to grab my paper here. 
this story is I try to find kind of hilarious. So there's a lot of sides to this, and I'll try to explain it in a more cohesive manner than I explained the whole Ivory Coast story, because that was kind of a wreck, because I kind of obsessed with this one. So we go from one African country to one non-African country um, to Cyprus. So as I said, I'll try to explain this better than the Cote d'Ivoire story, but I don't know. So let me start from a really basic point. You all know the website, Al Jazeera, which produces many videos, which without, I don't think we'd be able to do this podcast because I couldn't find any information and articles. Very trustable. So Al Jazeera sent some people undercover to try and get some people's citizenship in a, or a fake client citizenship in Cyprus, which I mean, sketchy, but to know the context, they were trying to expose the scandal. They made up this fake client who was Chinese and charged with corruption and has been living in Hong Kong. And they tried to get him citizenship by investment. So they made it this fake Chinese client. They didn't really say the name of it. They put their investigators as undercover. So this was to expose a citizenship. This brings up the topic of citizenship by investment. I know in the Baltics, uh, Austria has citizenship by investment. Uh, I think a lot of Caribbean states have citizenship by investment. Before I explain it, my understanding of citizenship by investment is it's controversial. Basically, most laws say that when you move to a country, you should have some kind of connection to it. Well, if you're a rich person looking to travel the world, citizenship by investment is your way in because, well, I'm not trying to sound like an advertisement here, um, is your way in. So basically, all you have to do is you have to pay the government some insane amount of money to the middle class person um, in order to get in. In Cyprus, it's over 2 million euros that you have to pay the Cypriot, you have to give to over to the Cypriot economy and you can move to Cyprus with absolutely no connections to the island of Cyprus. There are multiple issues with this, though, from what I understand. In some countries, you can get in with no connections. In Cyprus, according to a law written in 1955, I believe, you have to have a genuine connection to the island. But this goes, but this goes deeper. Some of the money that has been paid to the Cypriot economy, if you will, has actually been going to politicians. In the Al Jazeera video they did, which I recommend, it's called the Cyprus Papers. And it's a list of 2,000 people that basically bribed politicians. They and did a bunch of illegal stuff. It was a list of 2,000 people that came in illegally or under sketchy circumstances that have criminal records. And so to give you an idea of some of the, I'm not trying to make some big anti-immigration statement here. I'm pro-immigration. It's just when you're letting rich criminals with sketchy records come in, I'm not going to like it. Oh, by the way, can I? Can this, I say oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I was just going to say, I totally agree with you. Like, yeah, I think it's kind of weird to just allow criminals in. Like, we often like in the West and I mean, I'm assuming in most of the world we talk about like, oh, we don't want these poor gang members coming in. Like, I know here in the U.S. we hear that a lot about like, oh, those gangsters like those uh those gang members we don't want them coming in with their drugs like hey we don't want that kind of crime we also don't want like financial criminals coming in okay so as i said there are bribes being paid to politicians to get into cyprus uh one of these so two of them that al jazeera caught were 
Demetrius Silurus, the Speaker of Cypriot Parliament, and which is kind of odd because they have that communist opposition party, but and MP uh, Christakis Giovannis were both caught in this whole scandal. And so in case you're wondering, we are talking about any small level crimes. There's, I believe, I really I read one guy who was trying to like steal like a million dollars from the Malaysian government or something. I don't know. Anyways, I can't, don't quote me on that. Just ignore it. Um, I think I, I could be, I could be wrong or right on that. But I do have some hard numbers and facts here. Apparently, eight associates or relatives of Cambodia's authoritarian leader, Hood said, tried to get in via, or authority, he's a, like a, for record, he's been Cambodian prime minister for 35 years. His, par- his party had like 100% of Cambodia's legislature. I don't know what it's called. This is about Cyprus. Um, yeah, he's been, he claims he runs a democracy. He kind of really doesn't. He's just kind of dictator. And Rami Matlouf, who is a billionaire who, full disclosure, who actually had left Cyprus when things flared up in his home country of Syria. And in case you're wondering why he's sketchy, He's kind of a sketchy person to have in your country. He's actually the cousin of Bashar al-Assad, who's also a billionaire, apparently. So uh, Bashar got a rich cousin, apparently. This got so bad that a citizenship by investment website called Distus Holdings actually took out an ad. They're a Montenegrin firm that offers citizenship by investment. They actually took out an attack ad, if you will call it that, on the Cypriot immigration system after this whole thing came out, say you choose Montenegro citizenship instead of Cyprus. But a country that has just based, has to an extent overthrown it, we talked about this in an earlier episode, has just overthrown a dictatorship, is taking out that, because they are so, I'm going to say corrupt, but yeah, corrupt, that they can take out an attack on them, your immigration system. You know something is wrong. Like, I'm sorry, Cyprus. You just know something is wrong when Montenegro is taking out an attack ad on your immigration system. Okay, you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I have thoughts on this. I mean, citizenship by investment seems kind of dumb in my opinion. Like, I don't really like the idea. Like, I just think that citizenship, like... I feel like everyone should have a fair shot at citizenship. I mean, you should be judged by sort of the quality of your character instead of how much money you have. Like, it's just kind of weird. And it's like, I understand why they do it because they feel like they'll get an economic gain and probably probably do get an economic gain from it. But from a moral standpoint, like, I don't know. I don't like the idea of like citizenship by investment. Like, I don't know. And I feel like, yeah, a lot of these guys, like, uh, you have to have a crap ton of money to have these investment citizenships. So it's just like, wow, most people don't have them. So it's like, you're basically just like trying to get like strange, obscure millionaires and stuff like that. It's just like, wow, okay, whatever. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Cyprus, maybe if I was like a businessman, maybe I wouldn't want to go to Cyprus considering that. Cyprus could, I honestly feel like we're going to get some sort of a war in Cyprus soon. Which, by the way, I'll, I don't want to sound like I'm some Turkish simp. <laughs> so I'll say, like, hey, look, um, if that happens, like, Cyprus deserves <laughs> the land. Like, that's, that is definitely an illegal invasion on the Turkish part. So, uh, 
look, I'm not just I'm not just like <laughs> sipping for Turkey when I when I say that I generally support Azerbaijan over Armenia. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Cyprus kind of Cyprus kind of should have that land. And I mean, if again, like if they want to work out a deal where the Turks in northern Cyprus get some independence or autonomy, then I'm definitely before that. But yeah, no, no Turkish Republic of Cyprus. It's not it's illegitimate BS. I call BS. Yeah, man, Assad's cousin too. <laughs> I don't know. He's a billionaire, so he must be doing something right. I mean, unless he got that illegally, but then he's not doing something right. <laughs> well, he probably got it through corruption. I mean, the Assads are a corrupt family. Yeah, I mean, Assad's daddy was the president of Syria, Hafez al-Assad, and then Bashar al-Assad became the president. So, yeah, I don't really have a lot to say on this. It's just. I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Yeah, I, I don't think in. Do we have this in the U.S.? I don't I think, think we have it. Most in the countries US. have it, but I'm not sure though. Anyways, I'll probably I honestly don't know. be bringing updates. We well, it. you've already asked me to do one story next week, so I may end up with three story, four stories even next week. I don't know. Says this may this may yeah, go we'll somewhere. See. I'm not sure what's going to happen with the Ivory Coast, but if they have an election in the next week, I'm going to talk about it. And then you asked me to do a story, so yeah. By the way, um, dear viewers, there was actually an Armenia Azerbaijan story this week, but uh, we're not covering it because we don't want to cover the same yeah. story over and over again. But again, if you are interested, um, by the way, they're not paying me to do this, just so you know, but uh, definitely go check out the Syrian Civil War map at SyrianCivilWarMap.com. You may be saying, hey, wait, why are, why are, you, asking, why are you telling us to go check out a Syrian Civil War map that's about you want us to check out uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan. Like, no, that's the name of the site, the Syrian Civil War map.com. And it covers, of course, the Syrian Civil War. It covers the Armenia-Azerbaijan conflict. It covers the situation in Iraq, and it covers the situation in Libya. So it's definitely great. And if you are one of those visual people who likes to, um, who would rather, like, look at a map to understand some sort of a war situation more than just blocks of text, on a news article, and I highly recommend it. And you can get your updates there. But anyway, back to what we were talking about. Yeah, we're definitely going to have some more stories for next week. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, we already got some. I mean, uh, this is kind of a spoiler for next week, but we got a story that broke just today. Yeah. Today's Friday, the 23rd, um, about uh, Israel and Sudan normalizing relations. And the uh, Churda's story had a new twist in it, too. Yeah, so I would have talked about that, but it broke just today, and I felt like the Bolivia story and oh, the Nigeria and story were Tigre as well. too important to this. Yeah, yeah, there are Tigre up there. <laughs> Everything we need. I think we might be able to pass for trading the This Week Armenia and the Tigres. Yeah, I mean, there are shows that literally just, like, talk about one topic. Like, you have a you have China uncensored on YouTube, um, who, I mean, some other stuff on China is good, but I mean, they're also run by the Falun Gong, so I'm very skeptical of a lot of what they say. Like, I don't know. I don't like the Chinese government, but I also don't like Falun Gong, so <laughs> I'm not going to pick a side in that fight. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because Falun Gong, like, you may think of them as just kind of like a normal religion, but like, nah, they're basically a cult. Yeah. Like, that's basically just what they are. Yeah. And, like, they have some really weird ideas. Like, they, have some, they have some pretty racist ideas, too. So it's like, oh, okay. 
and get this, I think I said this on like episode three or episode four or episode five or something, but I freaking find this hilarious. They don't want China to be communist, not because they're against communism. It's because, quote unquote, communism is European. It's not Chinese. It is. It was invented by Karl Marx, who was a German. No, I know. No, that's the reason they don't like communism, though, is basically they don't want a European ideology in China. They want a Asian one. It's just very strange. Like, it's kind of a strange, like, really? That's your reason for opposing communism? Like, out of all the reasons, you pick that one. Spoiler alert, listeners. There's really only one Chinese ideology. Like, I could be wrong on this, but, like, there's really only one Chinese ideology, and that's Maoism. Well, Maoism is, like, the Chinese version of communism. Pretty much. I used to think, like, I, I saw these videos about, like, people would, like, make fun of communism with chinese characteristics and like i thought that that was just like a joke term for it but apparently that's actually what it's called like apparently a lot of people actually call like mao style of communism sometimes they actually call it communism with chinese characteristics which just sounds kind of weird like it sounds very strange and wonky and technical yep i don't know like communism with albanian characteristics like, are we just going to do that for every it's communist called, country? I think it's called Javarism. Commun- or Hoxhaism, I think. Yeah, oh no, Hoxhaism, sorry. My bad. Yeah, we're going to do that with uh, Romania. Communism with Romanian characteristics, although I don't think there are many characteristics there. I think it's just more like dictatorship. Uh, if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, Ceosestoism? It's uh, Ceausescu. Ceausescu. Sorry, Ceausescuism? Is that going to be a thing now? I don't know. Anyway, do you have any final updates on this uh, whole Cyprus story? Um, no, not really. Okay, so I think, do we want to wrap it up? Sure, do you want to wrap it up? Sure. Okay. So thank you for listening to This Week International. Our Instagram is TWI12404. And our Reddit is... I'll let you say it, Andy, because I can never remember. U dash underscore capital T, as in this, and of course, this. Uh, Capital W, week, capital I, inter, and another underscore. And then we are on Anchor, we are on Breaker, we are on Google Podcasts, we are on Pocket Casts, we are on Radio Public, and we are on Spotify. And our RSS feed is https colon slash slash anchor.fm slash s slash 316e 982c slash podcast slash RSS. So do with that what you want. And I think uh, we're done. So we'll see you next week. And cue the outro music. See you later. <laughs>